Greetings, everyone. Francis Fernando here with the How Much Will I Make podcast and video series. How Much Will I Make is a focus on if you are investing in real estate, ultimately, how much are you going to make? You see, I am a big believer in having a job, having a career, and investing in real estate strategically as a path towards creating wealth. Well, today's video is a guide to better manage your property manager. A guide to better manage your property manager. You see, property management is probably one of the most critical components in drawing profits out of an investment property. If you don't have a, an effective and business-driven, process-driven property manager, you could lose your shirt in real estate. And that is a powerful statement that is a true statement. They are probably one of the most critical components of owning real estate. So, Without further ado, I am going to jump right into giving you a guide, an effective guide on how to manage your property manager. And I am going to go to my trusted resource and my trusted book titled Job Plus Real Estate Equals Wealth. Job Plus Real Estate Equals Wealth. That is correct, folks. I authored this book in 2013 with a very specific focus in mind. And that is, how do I empower busy professionals, busy professionals that have a job that want to invest in real estate as a path towards creating wealth? So as you can imagine, there is a very critical uh, important chapter, actually, to be specific, page 86, uh, and that is, as I look at it, it's, it's chapter 9. Chapter 9 is dedicated towards property management. It is titled, Lining Up Your Property Manager, and I'm taking some important components from this book um, for this video, and the impo important components are uh, on page 86, through almost uh, 86 through page 90. So it's uh, pages 86 through 90, I cover some of the most important critical components on how to manage your property manager, but I'm going to create and extract the important components for this audio and for this video. So without further ado, what I've done is I've broken it up into two components. Component number one, is the processes and procedures. So how do you evaluate the processes and procedures of a property manager? And number two, uh, you know, the second component is the thresholds and the fees. So let's jump right into it. Before I do, I want to um, I want to share with you a quick story. You know, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I ran a property management company for just under 15 years. I started this management company because I was a real estate investor that owned a significant amount of multifamily housing. I was working full time as I um, owned these properties. 
And I realized, quickly realized the importance of a property manager and the value uh, that they bring into the whole path towards creating wealth. It's a make or break relationship. And so because of the environment of where I lived, I could not find a property management a property manager that was to my satisfaction. And I'm going to give you those critical components that I evaluated. And because I couldn't find one, I decided to start my own property management company. So my management company managed my own real estate assets. So there was a vertical integration in my life, managed my own assets. And then I grew it so large that I could manage the assets of other third party clients. Just to give you a quick update, I did sell that business. It's been about a year and a half that I sold the business. So I started it, grew the management company, and I exited from the management company. When I exited, I took a wealth of knowledge that sits up here in my mind, and I'm taking that out, and I'm putting it in onto this video and onto this audio so that I could share those skills with you because I do not want you to buy an investment put your hard-earned money into a down payment and own that and take all the risks only to be driven under by a property manager who mismanages your asset. That is the purpose of it. So let's jump into it. I've said that a couple of times. I want to jump into it now. So number one, the, the part one is the processes and the procedures. You want to make sure at a very high level that your property manager has systems processes and procedures documented in place so that you can uh, read them, see them, and more importantly, see them in action. So the first component is what are their rent collection procedures? Do they have a process on how to collect rent? Rent being the most important lifeblood you know, of the revenue, it's the lifeblood of your real estate asset is the revenue generation. So do they have a procedure and a documented process on how they collect rents? Uh, number two is have them show you an example of a similar building. You know, in real estate, there's going to be multiple similarity, similarities in buildings. I personally owned uh, multiple six-unit apartment buildings, and that was a, a property feature or a property type that was pretty popular in the community that I bought. So I would look at a similar type unit, a uh, similar type building. Have, your, have the potential property manager show you examples of those properties from the standpoint of one number, and that is called the adjusted gross income. And I'll tell you why that number is so important. The adjusted gross income. Because the from the adjusted gross income, you can extrapolate what the vacancy rates are or the vacancy loss numbers. And another component that many property managers hide, which is called the uncollectible rent. In other words, the bad debt. In other words, rents that were supposed to come into your office, but because the tenant is occupying your space and not paying, you're not making money, but you're also getting hit on the other equation or the side of your profit and loss statement, which is they're consuming your expenses. They're consuming, they're consuming the resources of your building, but they're not paying. So again, adjusted gross income is the 
the potential income, the gross potential income, less the vacancy rate, so the, the, the units are empty, and uh, less the uncollectible, which I just defined. So it's important to look at what their historical performance is on similar sized buildings from the standpoint of the adjusted gross income. That is so critical. Number three is make sure that there is a policy and procedure for expiring leases. So a lease is coming due on one of your tenants. What is their procedure on the upcoming lease? Not what is their reactionary procedure to a lease that is expired, but what is their procedure, their proactive procedure to an upcoming lease expiration? Number four, uh, what is their unit make-ready interval? A unit make-ready is the unit becomes vacant and available for a release. What is their interval time? Because the time that that unit is off the market, not ready to be re-rented, is a loss of income for you. It's a loss of blood flow stream into that asset to create profitability for you. So what is that time interval? That needs to be the minimal. Again, it has to be a documentable, documentable process that they know inside out, but more importantly, that they live. You want to see that in action. So those are the, oh, number five is the communication and conflict resolution process. What is the communication process? That's both the communication process with your tenants. How do they communicate with your tenants? What is their level of communication? Are they quick to respond? Because a happy tenant is a staying tenant, is a paying tenant. Remember that, a happy tenant is a paying tenant and is a staying tenant. So what is their communication process with your tenants, but also what is their communication process with you. If you reach out to them, are they communicating with you proactively back? Are they proactively communicating happenings in the building as it happens? So that is uh, very critical. What is their communication and conflict resolution process? So you want to make sure that you check those. Those are, again, under the processes and procedures. Second part of it is thresholds and fees. Now, this is where most people come in to my office when I ran the property management company, they focused on thresholds and fees. No, not so much thresholds. They focused mostly on fees. In fact, it was one question that most people try to negotiate with me on, which was, what is your management fee? And that was it. What is your management fee? Now, I could have stated any number I wanted to because that's all they were focused on. Not what I did, not how uh, what the quality of my uh, my relationship with their tenants are, not the quality of the work that I do, but simply what is my fee. So you want to go beyond that. So part two of this is thresholds and fees. So collections is the first uh, um, the first uh, I guess threshold, right? Is the rents collected versus the oh, threshold? The rents collected versus the uncollectible due to bad debt or uh, or vacancy. So you want to be able to determine what their thresholds are on the uncollectibles. So do they have an, a threshold? Do they have a procedure that says, or a documented, um, documentable uh, threshold that says, hey, 
if a building is uh, at a at an X vacancy rate or X occupancy rate, this is the maximum un, uh, uncollectible that we've historically had. You want to see what their historical performance is from a vacancy rate standpoint, but also from an uncollectibles. So that's a threshold because you could then extrapolate that threshold and plug it into your number. If you're evaluating the performance of your building, you can then take that number and say, if that's the historical performance, if it's acceptable by you, then you can take that and plug that into the performance of your asset. The, the next one is, what is the maintenance and repair threshold? You want to make sure that you state a maintenance and repair threshold. So you evaluate your building, you figure out what is a comfortable number for you from a threshold standpoint to not exceed, a do not exceed clause within your uh, agreement with them to say, hey, if maintenance goes beyond this point or is approaching this point, I want to know that this is a not to exceed number. Because then you are driving your profitability and not waiting for them to tell you what your profitability is. The next one is what are their leasing fees and what are the thresholds on how long an average tenant is staying? Because if a tenant is moving every six months and you're having to pay a leasing fee every six months, then who is guess who's making the money? The property manager is profiting from that high turnover rate. Um, and then what is your number four? What is the legal fees? What are their fees as it pertains to performing an eviction? Uh, and you want to, again, find out what their procedures and uh, processes are for that, documentable. And finally, the management fee, which is typically what everyone tries to negotiate is the management fee. And I wouldn't really be so concerned with the management fee itself. I mean, of course, you want to be within industry norms. Typically, for C slash D multifamily, where I was charging was anywhere between 8 to 10% based on certain criteria. So again, uh, thresholds and fees, I'm going to run through that. Do they have, uh, make sure you're negotiating a rents collected or uncollectibles threshold. Uh, make sure that you're stating a maintenance, uh, repairs and maintenance threshold. Um, make sure that you have a leasing fee. Uh, you know what the leasing fees are. Are they charging a full month rent? Are they charging for showings? All the different components you want to figure out. And what is your threshold on the number of turnovers within a building? And then, of course, what are their legal fees? What are the components on how they do the legal evictions? And then, finally, what is the management fee, which is typically a percentage of the collected rents. So these are very important components. I'm going to jump into the rapid fire component. But before I jump into the rapid fire, I want to share this with you. I want to share an offer with you. I have run a property management company for close to 15 years. And I know I gave you a quick guide on how to manage a property manager. But this is a near and dear subject to me. I've managed thousands of property owners. I've seen multiple people go from unprofitable companies, come over to me, and I've evaluated their books, and I've said, you were literally getting ripped off for the last X number of years. And it drove me insane. So I am near and dear to this. My offer to you is if you want to speak about 
property management. If you want to speak about how to evaluate your existing manager or your potential manager beyond the scope of this video, which I've tried to extract as much as I can again from the job plus real estate equals wealth book. From my experience, I'm trying to put this into a 10 to 20 minute video. But if you want to have a further discussion, have no hesitations. Just reach out and connect with me. So we're going to jump into the rapid fire uh, uh, questions. Rapid fire question number one. Francis, give me an example of an aggressive rent collection process. All right. So I'm going to try to sum this up. The rent collection process can be uh, very big and very large, but I'm going to try to sum this up. So internally, I had a goal to make sure that my collection process within my office when I ran my property management company was between 98 to 100 percent, period. Very simple. 98 percent of rents that were uh, needed to be collected, I wanted them to be collected. So between 98 and 100%. Um, remember, mine was a C slash D market. So this was pretty challenging in a C slash D market. Any property manager who is in a C slash D environment, you can attest to that. It's a very tough environment to collect rents just because of the nature of what goes on in this, this sort of um, um, uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, status. In that status, it's really hard to get achieve those numbers. But we were 100% focused on that number. Uh, another thing that's important, it's important to understand that, that the, your rent collection ability d diminishes over the month. So from the first of the month, as you go on through the month, your ability to collect the rent diminishes. And here's the other critical component. If you are able to collect your rent, say, by mid-month, say you are made whole and you collect your full rent by mid-month, what happens is it puts a pressure on the next month because typically in the C slash D environment, the tenants have 30 days to make up their rent. And they need that full 30 days because they are hourly employees or service employees and they typically need those 30 days to make up their rent. If you allow them 15 days of the width of that month to pay their rent, now you've just shortchanged them f uh, the next month's rent. So they now only have 15 days for the next month to make up their rent. So it becomes a snowball effect. So that's a very important component. Rent ability diminishes as the month goes on. So with that in mind, my rent collection process was 98%. Again, like I said, between 98 and 100% is what my goal was. My rent collection procedure was from the first of the month to the fifth of the month was where I wanted to have 80% of my rents collected and within the office. 80% of my rents wanted to be needed to be in by then. The way we did it was we had automated emails going out from our software, going out to everyone, reminding them that rent was due. We also tried to make sure that the majority of our tenants were on rent pulls, which is credit cards on file within our uh, office, uh, within our software system, credit cards on file. So instead of a rent uh, uh, push, it was a pull. I was going in and drafting the money and bringing it into our account. So that really, really helped because I'm not reliant on a check coming in. I'm not reliant on cash coming in. I had a no cash. We had a no cash policy in our management company. So um, those kind of components help when you have a credit card on file and you're able to draw and, and just charge the credit card. 
so first to the fifth was uh, that was the intention. Eighty percent of the rents needed to be in. My software would send out automated email reminders, and we tried to get credit cards uh, processed. Sixth through the tenth of the month, our office became a war room. Our office literally became a war room, and all we breathed, slept, talked about was rent collection numbers, and delinquencies. So our office would talk about every single tenant who hadn't paid their rent. And so we would go now from automated emails into physical phone calls to all the residents that hadn't paid. And the uh, phone calls, uh, we could talk about scripts on a separate call, but they, there was a very specific script that we went through in order to remind tenants that rent needed to be paid. We also had our late fee basis start on the 6th of the month. So that was 6th through the 10th. 11th through the end of the month, we were on uh, um, eviction procedures. So on the 6th of the month, we would do start the phone calls, but we also posted all the evictions on all the tenants that required eviction notices. But from the, 10th, from the 11th through the end of the month, we focused on either taking those tenants to uh, court or, or curing their balances, of course, with the late fees and all that. The point of the matter here is that our rent collection procedure was so focused and was so war room uh, dedicated, our entire staff was focused on that one collection number because that, again, is the lifeblood of your business. Question number two, Francis, would you recommend creating your own property management company? Absolutely, I would. If you are in a situation where you, A, can't find a property manager who is process-driven, systematized, uh, who has values, who has this sort of dedication, who can demonstrate to you his historical, his or her historical performance, is open enough to invite you into the office and say, spend a day with my office and evaluate what I do here. If they're not open enough to do that, by all means, start your own property management company. That is what I do now is I consult with people that are looking to have vertical integration in their, uh, in their lives. So create an income stream from their properties, but also create an income stream from the management company that's managing those assets. So absolutely I do. If it's something that's not within the deck of cards for uh, various reasons, A, no interest, B, um, you're busy with your job and you love your job and you have no interest in starting a management company, then use this resource as a way to manage your property manager. Uh, question number three in our rapid fire component is, Francis, what is your one takeaway for someone evaluating a property management company? So here's the answer to that. If I were to sum up all what I just said in this video or in this audio in this podcast, if I were to sum up everything, I would say make sure that the property management company that you are evaluating has systems and processes and procedures for everything. Systems, procedures, and processes for everything. And be able to not just see it in writing, be able to evaluate it and see it in action. You don't want to just, because it's easy enough for someone to put something in a, in a, in a manual and stick that manual into a, dust, into a dusty cabinet and you know never use it again. You want to see those processes in action. You want to speak 
to some of the potential, uh, some existing clients, but you want to go beyond speaking to existing clients because they could just give you a list of clients that are super satisfied. You want to speak to vendors that they work with. You want to speak with a cleaning vendor that they hire and ask them, hey, what is the procedure that they use to hire you to clean the apartment building? You want to speak to the city officials. Typically, there's housing code that governs you know, rental housing. You want to speak to the city, pick up the phone, go to the building department of the municipality where that building is and ask them, what is the reputation of this management company when there are violations, housing code violations? Are they quick to respond? Do they correct them with the utmost uh, value or workmanship or craft and workmanship? Um, you want to start you know, doing some homework and evaluating how good their reputation is and how good their their trust factor is. So systems, procedures, and processes, critical component. If I were to sum it up, that would be the most important thing to evaluate. So with that, uh, folks, that is the conclusion of uh, a guide to better manage your property manager. I trust that this video and audio podcast was of immense value to you and I will restate my offer if you are in a position that you are evaluating a property manager and you're unclear reach out and connect with me it's a subject that's near and dear to me I ran a property management company for close to 15 years I started it grew it and exited from the business and it is near and dear to me because I've literally helped thousands of homeowners property owners investors become millionaires by managing their properties the right way so with that take care and happy investing how much will I make? That is the focus of what you should be when you're investing in real estate. Take care.